Welcome. I'm Richard Prosh, and this is another edition of Six Gun Justice Conversations. These are occasional bonus downloads where my co-host, Paul Bishop, or I get to hang out around the virtual Six Gun Justice campfire and spend some time talking with friends who work in the Western genre. With me for this edition is an award-winning poet and storyteller, Deanna Dickinson. Deanna is a daughter of the West, a recipient of the Will Rogers Medallion on multiple occasions, Deanna has also won the National Heritage and Cowboy Museum's coveted Wrangler Award. She writes award-winning poetry and stories that take you into her world of ranch life and lives on an active ranch in the American Southwest. Thanks for reining in at the virtual campfire today, Deanna, for some informal conversation. Thanks for inviting me. I'm going to jump right in with a subject that is near and dear to you. What led you to start writing poetry? Uh, probably my granny. I spent a lot of time with my grandparents when I was very small. Uh, they watched me when I was too little to go with my dad horseback or whatever he was doing. And she made lots of uh, rhymes just out of everyday things that I know really influenced me. And another thing was my granddad and our hired hand evenings were spent on the porch with old stories, songs, poems played a jute's harp very often and a harmonica, and then stories told basically in rhyme, the the old-time ballad and associated things. So I think anything you grow up with and is dear to your heart kind of remains that way. That just sounds idyllic. Did you write any of those old poems and things down as you were growing up? You know, I did, and I also raised three kids that learned a lot of the really old poems that aren't heard much anymore. And they, when they were young kids, they often recited them at various gatherings and, of course, at home. Oh, that's fantastic. You've had great success with your work. Uh, is, is it, Your CD, is, is it called Writing, just Writing, R-I-D-I-N-G? Uh, That was the second to the last one. Uh, The newest one is I'll Ride Through It. And that's actually the one that won the Wrangler Award. Of all your CDs or of all your, I should just say, of all your poetry collections, do you have a favorite that you would recommend to listeners to check out? For those that want to actually listen, I I would recommend the I'll Ride Through It CD. Uh, For those who are readers, Probably the first book I put out, it's called Mustang Spring. It has some of the older poems in it. It has both short stories and poetry in it. How do you come up with a, a poem? Now, I'm not much of a poet. I don't know anything really about writing poetry. So do you start with uh, some you know, word combinations or some subject matter or what? Really, I think to me, they're, they're basically stories told in rhyme, whether it's an everyday thing or, or maybe something that's a little deeper, a thought. And once in a blue moon, you, you, know, you can be looking at something and, and a rhyming line will come to me that, that really describes those circumstances. That sounds like something that probably came from your grandma as you were, you know, doing things with her. And did she just come up with things like that? You know, oh, you do- yeah. Most of the time, you know, being very small toddler ages uh, when it started, and you know, just to make things fun, to keep a small child entertained. Very often she would just go into rhymes and make everything rhyme that she was talking about. Yeah, that's so charming. It's just heartwarming. How do you how do you go about writing a short story then if you know if a poem is basically a story then when you're writing a story where do those inspirations come from real life or do you, do you imagine things or 
Uh, it's kind of a combination of both with short stories and all I will take very often combined three or four people I know into one character, but the event has usually been a real event and I may place various people in there, contrived characters, so to speak. But if it's not a real event, it's that happened to me personally, it will be something that I've heard about or, you know, it's true to life event. Does the does the ranch or the ranch life pretty much form the backdrop or the setting for most of your stories? Most of them. Uh, occasionally, I will do, and it, and that's ranch-related as well, but I do a, an occasional historical uh, short story or essay, something on that order. I know that you are working on a ranch right now. You live and work on a ranch, and I know that from your Facebook posts that you're going through a, a drought right now, and you've been asking for rain, and I suppose there are some pretty good stories there with just the weather and the things you've experienced there. Oh, very much so. A bunch of co-poets and I were talking a few months ago, and and uh, some of them are also songwriters, and we're like, man, we thought we were done. You know, how, how many drought poems or songs can you write? But I guess <laughs> there's always room for more. <laughs> right. There's always, there's always new experiences on a, a farm or ranch. Your website shares something interesting. I just, I found extraordinary. It says that you lived for 22 years on a Nevada ranch without phone or electricity. What what was that like? Um, you know, I guess I should start out with the first ranch, the one I was brought home from the hospital to. It didn't, it, it had a telephone, but it had no power either. And so I grew up pretty much with those circumstances. And then when I was 21, my husband and I and the, my twin daughters, we moved to that ranch in Nevada. And then I had a son 10 years uh, after we'd moved there, born. And so all of my kids grew up with that. And I can say that I think it really is a benefit to the children. They they learn firsthand. They, they learn to have their own imaginations. They learn to read. Things are harder, perhaps, in some respects. But I think for a child's perspective, I think it's actually very beneficial. Yes, that, I, I agree. I agree. You know, na- nature firsthand. Kids know what life and death is about. And they're given the freedom to, to just lay in the grass and study the, the clouds instead of staring at a phone. Absolutely. When my wife and I uh, were ready to have a family, we moved from the city back to an acreage so that our son could have the same experience that we had, which, which was both of us were raised on a farm and exactly what you said. So I, I, I would imagine then that in talking about some of your early inspirations, television shows or, or movies or things like that weren't necessarily as maybe high up as uh, as uh, literature and books. Is that right? That's, that is very true. And, and that's one thing, you know, and we're all writers. A book gives you imagination. You read the words, you picture it. And to me, that's so much more personalized than watching something. The picture's already there for you, whether it's movie, TV, Etc. But reading, you know, it, it just stimulates your own imagination. Yeah, for sure. Well, who were some of the uh, authors, and what were some of the favorite books you had growing up, and and that you sh- then shared with your kids? Oh gosh, Little Women was one of my favorites, and of course, uh, Little Men and and that series. But uh, the Little House on the Prairie, I think, would probably be my girls favorites. And then my sons were, of course, the infamous Hank the Cowdog. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, that was my son's favorite too. In fact, we still have a Hank the Cowdog poster on one of our walls. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, you know, I, I was a young boy reading and I read the Black Stallion books by Walter Farley. And I then I read the Little House books before the TV show. So I remember, I can remember sitting down with a black and white TV and my parents turning on the Little House on the Prairie TV show in the 70s. And I thought, this isn't, this isn't Laura, this isn't the Laura Ingalls that I know, you know, so I never watched it. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And and another of the kids' favorites I know were the Will James, you know, Smokey and, and some of the other books as well. Yes. Now, poetry, short stories, you also co-authored a book called Cowboy Cuisine Beyond Biscuits and Beans. Can you tell us about that a little bit? Yeah, very good friend of mine, uh, very respected uh, in the beef field. She and uh, her partner, he's a veterinarian. They're very good friends of ours. and We often have dinners together and, and so on. And she wanted to do a cookbook for years. And so I thought, you know what? While COVID's going on and all, let's do this. We've got time. And so Gay and I uh, produced that cookbook. We wanted to bring to light that ranch fare isn't all, you know, biscuits and bacon and beans and show the versatility that can be done with ranch cooking and it can be taken to upper levels. And I think it was a particularly good time to do it with, you know, everybody being isolated and, and a greater interest in producing restaurant quality meals and to show people not to be afraid you can cook. And we've included stories with the recipes and that sort of thing. And and it's done pretty well so far. That's great. Does it does it have some photography in it as well some pictures of the mostly recipe pictures um oh there's a few a very simple type maybe ranch related but basically of the the recipes themselves that sounds that sounds wonderful you know i I think you're right there's so much good good food that uh that kind of is forgotten once you get out into the world of the you know the fast food and the restaurants and stuff that good old farm cooking So tell me, you know, you work on a ranch, there are things to do. When you get up in the morning, how do you structure writing in with your other work? Does it come at a disciplined set time or is it something that you try to, you know, fill in the gaps with or or how does that work? For the next couple of years, I have, uh, I will continue at a part-time job I have. So three days of the week, I write grants for the community that is closest to us. That's my my major deal. And I do that basically for insurance. Okay. Uh, being on a farm or a ranch, unfortunately, is one of the most expensive health insurance <laughs> places <laughs> that you can be. Uh, so I do that. But otherwise, you know, I'm home the other four days, they're on the ranch. But writing, it just is hit and miss for me. Sometimes in the evenings, if I've got an idea and I want to do it, you know, that's one thing I'll sit down and at least get the bones laid out for it. But I wish I did have a set time where I could say, okay, I'm going to sit down and and wait from five to seven in the morning or something. But between ranch life and the job, it's pretty hit and miss. I I know what you mean. You know, the the grass doesn't stop growing. The the cows don't stop calving. And they, you know, they don't, they don't care what our schedule is. (laughs) I was just going to say how true that is, you know, and I'll, I'll be in the middle of something and think, okay, I've got an hour. I'm going to do this. And then it's like, uh oh, nope, there's a calf that has to be pulled or something else has happened. And it, it never ends. It doesn't. And it, it, it could take up, you know, I remember growing up a lot. We've, we've got uh, 
some cows and calves here, but since we've lived here, we haven't had to uh, have like a bathtub calf or, you know, during the winter, an early calf in the house. But I remember growing up in Nebraska, we would have calves in the house. Seems like every winter there'd be a calf on the kitchen floor with blankets and, you know, something. That That's one advantage to ranching in New Mexico versus northern Nevada. Uh, our cattle are out year round and it's pretty rare that we actually have to pull a calf or anything. And, and the nice thing here is, is we're not irrigating and putting up hay for six months to throw at them for the next six months. Here, they're out on the range. So it's very rare we have all of our cattle together at any, at any time. Oh, you know, that sounds great to an old Nebraska farm boy. So what's up next for you? Um, will you be writing something in particular you'd like to get done? Uh, will you be traveling to Loveland for the WWA convention this summer? Well, the next thing, and it's been put on hold, uh, like so many things with COVID, I actually have a novel coming out. It was supposed to actually be out last year, and it's the first novel I've written. It's going to be called The Okies Daughters, and it is about the California Okies Daughters, that next generation, and the influence of their parents coming out to California through the Dust Bowl, what effect it had on them. It's about a group of women, and it's going to take you from their toddler days into their 60s. Wow. Sounds like a great, great premise and a just a wonderful slice of history there. Yeah, I thought, well, you know, that that part hasn't really been told, uh, the effects of the second and, and third generations. Uh, another thing I've been doing lately which I was kind of surprised I didn't know I could really do, is I've been uh, helping several of uh, my musician friends uh, writing songs. Jim Jones, uh, Doug Figgs, Randy Houston. I've actually sat down and, and written songs with them this year. So nice. you'll probably hear, might hear one or two uh, in Loveland. Uh, I plan on being there. I'm lo really looking forward to it since last year was canceled. Wow, that sounds exciting. And to, to hear the songs live and, and then maybe to get them recorded, does that kind of, I, I would imagine that would just thrill you. I mean, it, to see it, it does. And, and Jim actually has shared on Facebook, that was the first one I think I actually wrote. Uh, it's Old Horses and Old Men. And, and he actually put it with a, it's not as a YouTube video. Okay. Well, that's great. I'll urge listeners to look that up and especially music lovers to go find that. I'd like to wrap up our conversation by pointing listeners to your website, which is www.deannadickinsonmccall.com. And thank you, Diana, for being with us today and hanging out and chatting. Oh, I've, I've enjoyed it a great deal. And thanks to you for listening. Paul and I appreciate your support of our Six Gun Justice podcast and hope you continue to enjoy each and every episode. As always, a hearty thank you to our sponsors, Wolfpack Publishing, author Chris Enns, and the Western Writers of America for making this podcast possible. Be sure to check our website, www.sixgunjustice.com, for links to previous podcast episodes, speed listens, and prior conversations, along with reviews, interviews, and articles from the Western genre. Till next time, keep the sun at your back and a good horse at hand. Let's ride.